Hello and welcome to the Bit of a Tangent podcast, where we bring you mind-bending ideas from science, philosophy, artificial intelligence, and medicine. I'm Janluka, a data scientist with a background in computer science and genetics, and, as always, I'll be joined by my co-host Jared, Bayesian, autodidact, and, when he finds time, medical student. In this episode, we depart on a number of conversational tangents, including my new habit formation framework and future habit-related projects, Jared's heuristics for a good day, and the consequences of sleep deprivation, especially on students, and in particular, medical students. As usual, everything we talk about, and much that we don't, can be found in the show notes for the episode. This was quite a fun one for us, that touched on topics we have spent a great deal of time experimenting with and reading about. It also came at a point where we were really finding our rhythm with these recorded conversations. So we hope you like it. And without further ado, here's the episode of Bit of a Tangent. So I, w- I wanted to start with a few things that are just easy to do. Because what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm testing a new um, habit formation system based on some of the ideas in um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. So mm. I know we've both recently read that. Um, yes, yeah, so the, uh, the difference in the past, I always used to go, cool, what are my year's goals? That's, what does like, my ideal, uh, ideal year look like? And then I would kind of like set up all these habits and start tracking them. And it was all about like measuring how much I did as opposed to building the habits, right? And and what I've realized over the years through experience and through more research on this is that like you can't just, you know, dive in all at once. It's it's going to fail um, and right. it's going to just overwhelm you. And then you're going to end up doing none of it or you can end up doing like 10% of what you aimed for on each habit and feeling horrible about it. So what I've what I've adapted to doing is I build up habits one at a time. And so I'm not allowed to add a new habit until I have some sort of uh, pre-met condition of chaining on the existing habits. Right. So what I wanted to do is start with really simple habits, right? So things that are just super easy to do, really quick to build up and just get the momentum going. So on there is like weighing myself every morning Mm -hmm. um, and taking creatine every morning. Um, so those are like the two, the two starting ones. So I can start building up chains on those. So like when I get to, uh, if I have five habits, when I get to 30, um, then cool, then I qualify to add a new habit and then that continues. So it stops me from just adding more habits as I think of them. Um, and actually mm. to, to and start enforcing them one at a time. So it's almost an incentive. It's almost an incentive to get better because habits are fun let's be honest exactly right so i'm always like oh now i want to add meditation but now i'm like cool i have to i haven't added it yet because i have to finish my current set of habits um, which include things like uh leaving work before 6 p.m because that's something i'm terrible at um i tend to just stay and get distracted um eating my meal prepped lunch every work day um exercising every day after work yeah and so the, the the aim is to just build build that up one at a time so like next time i'd add like meditation or whatever and and, and they're all designed to be very much trigger based right so it's always like exercise when getting home from work or it's like weigh myself first thing in the morning or take creatine with water when i take my medication in the morning so it's all very much trigger based um mm. so it's not like just do x today 
you know, just trying to just trying to build up the habits and, and get that all going. So that's kind of the focus at the moment is just putting in the, the grind, the boring uh, hard hours of building those up and then I can get to the more fun habits. Yeah. Um, yeah. How would you, Jean-Luc, how do you think about um, the sort of trade-off between, or at least maybe the alleged trade-off between living a somewhat almost spontaneous, carefree life versus this very regimented, um, like habitual life. So like, let me give you an example. Um, maybe someone who criticizes like a highly habitualized life would say, if you're never making space for spontaneity, when your friend phones you at like nine o'clock and says, uh, dude, let's go grab a couple beers. I know it's a Tuesday, but like, we haven't done this in forever. What do you think about? Right. And obviously the really disciplined person says, I have a rule. I don't drink on weeknights. Um, another person might say, you know, and, and let's, let's, let's exclude for, for the sake of argument here, like the extreme, the person who is drinking every weeknight, that person should not be drinking, but let's take the person who is fairly regimented, has good habits in place and now is being tempted off the path. Uh, how do you negotiate that? Cause I don't know. I'm not very clear on that, frankly. Oh yeah. Hundreds. It's a, it's a difficult thing, right? Because it's like you, you, you want the, the, the purpose of the habits is to improve your life, right? So if you, the habits suddenly become a barrier to living the life you want, then then that's obviously a challenge because it's now, well, you know, you, you, you're trying to live the ideal lifestyle in the long term, which is why you have the habits, but yet the short term seems to uh, conflict with that. So, for example, drinking during the week, right? I, I've been focusing on just so not drinking, um at all between um, sunset on Sunday night and sunset on Friday night. Um, but then between those other hours, cool, whatever, go wild. Um, mm. Hopefully without getting blacked out. But let's say, <laughs> let's say friends in town um, haven't seen them in ages. Cool, they call me up, you know, maybe, maybe right before I wouldn't take too well. But, uh, but like, let's say the day before and they're like, can you, can we meet me for like two beers after after work or whatever tomorrow yeah. for catch up. I'm only in town this one day. Then then it makes sense, right, to do that. And and we're all aware of this at some level, right? There, there's there's always some set of conditions at which point no one would hesitate to break out of their habits and their routines, right? Mm. Like the building's on fire. Do you still stop to wear yourself in the morning? Obviously <laughs> not. You yes, know? Okay. Or, so at the absurd level, I get. That. Yeah. Or you. Or, yeah. Right. So so there's some level at which we all agree you need to deviate from the regular routine and then at which point it becomes you know reasonable uh is up to you as an individual and based on your own assessment that's why it's part of the reason why i'm trying to test out this new system which is a much more like hard algorithmically focused way of building habits um in that i'm i'm free to break my habits whenever i want yeah but there's a re there's a consequence to that right so the consequence is if i still want to be able to make progress um and add more habits then I need to break habits in such a way that I still get up to the necessary chains, right? So if I slack off and so let's say one of my habits was to not drink during the week. Um, it's something I've kind of just internalized now from doing it for many years. But like, let's say that was something I was working on. Um, I would go, okay, cool. Well, I'll break the habit. I've got a chain of five. Let's say I'll break that to meet up with this friend that I never see and have drinks in the week. But then I know I've got to put in the hard yards in terms of exercising and doing all the, the other habits to mm. make sure I still get up to that goal I'm working towards, right? So now yeah. it becomes about cool, make 
sacrifices to get these exceptional spontaneous moments, right? And if they are truly spontaneous, they're infrequent. That's that's a good uh, rule of thumb as well, because otherwise you find yourself having these spontaneous moments once a week, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly, and that's and, and and it's very easy to get into that um, that mindset. I mean, if you uh, like last year I was living alone and with my diet, it's it's very easy to like make those little exceptions, right? You're like, ah, oh, I'm just I'm just this week is just really busy and I have that thing, and so I'll just I'll just like have something quick and easy like a pre-made meal you know mm. for this evening uh, and then you know one thing becomes another and, and suddenly you're like oh yeah three nights a week you're actually not sticking to your diet right and that's how that's how things slide um it's very easy to make exceptions it's very hard to stick to the, the habits and so my bias is definitely set in favor of or sort of my cultivated bias is set in favor of sticking to the habits um but like you say there is you know, need and desire for spontaneity in life. So it's it's all about that balance. It's slightly different for every person and for every habit. Um, but that's why I'm trying this new approach up. Okay. So, um, so what's on the horizon? Um, if you for, get for further the, habits, yeah. I mean, if you if you I, earn it, what are you going to choose to to do? Yeah. So so the next one is definitely to incorporate uh, meditation, regular meditation practice. Um, it's something that I've found very difficult to um, implement this year, uh, living with someone else again, um, and especially because it's uh, a significant other. So it's not like uh, it's, you know, separate rooms or anything like that. It's very hard to get like quiet time and preferably in the morning, right, which yeah. is the ideal time to be meditating. So it is very hard to get quiet, undisturbed time um, when you know everyone's getting ready and it's hustle and bustle so I, yeah I try and find a good trigger for that so i'm actually happy that i've got some time to start thinking about how best to implement it um, and right. to figure out some triggers so that would be one of the next ones um and then i've got like a whole bunch of other things i want to try actually let me let me bring up like evernote because I, I keep a doc of like future um i actually call it it's lifestyle experiments for the future so it's not just habits um mm. It's it's a it's a whole bunch of things. Um, so let me bring that up. And while I'm while I'm doing that, um, yeah, what does your uh, current uh, sort of uh, habit framework look like if you have one? Um, yeah, yeah, I can I can speak to that. Um, so I guess currently the most regular set of behaviors. I've I've kind of thought of different ways to negotiate this trade off between um, getting some like the important things done and like this very rule based lifestyle versus allowing some space for spontaneity and there's two approaches that i found that worked and i'm currently using one more than the other the one approach is like very strict rules where you just you just almost uh, you, the the bar is set so high for cheating that you end up really um saying no to a lot of things you know so like the bar might literally be unless there is a fire i am not mm -hmm. missing this habit cue sure but the the approach i'm using more um, currently, so for just a, a good example of of that kind of thing would be if you did that like whole thirty diet, because it is so restrictive, you end up just saying no to everything. You want to eat out at this restaurant? Oh, sorry, I can't. I'm doing thirty days of just like pure um, ascetism when it comes to food. <laughs> um, but what I what I've done now, right, is I've written a little list on my wall, and it's about six things which make a good day, like uh, which make a day a success, right? And that's basically a good night's sleep, 
uh, meditation, exercise, fasting, and like good nutrition, um, deep work, and then like solid social relationships. Yeah, deep connection. Deep connection. That's a, a good way to put it. And so the nice thing about that is I've actually moved away a little bit from the Q uh, habit routine reward model that James Clear um, advocates because I've just been focusing on getting those things done. Um, although I've, you know, there, there's still, there is still some elements of routine to that. You know I mean? Like I, my meditation routine is well established at this point. Um, uh, whereas like something like deep work is something I'm doing much more. Uh, it sounds paradoxical to say this about deep work, but you know, uh, just ad hoc um, as a, as opportunistic as I can. Um, but that's more a structure of my day than anything else. Uh, but things that I'm doing uh, daily, you know, taking creatine, uh, similar to you, I take uh, vitamin D. Uh, I think that healthcare workers generally should. Yeah. But, um, after, after our uh, discussion about that, which I think actually was in our in our food break between episodes uh, what four and five. Uh, um, yeah. Like I, I was, I was debating like how soon I should start taking vitamin D because I, in summer I feel like I'd probably get enough uh, sun exposure, but then into winter it becomes more of a problem. And then after that conversation, and given where we live and the prevalence of sort of dormant tuberculosis, um, <laughs> I, I've I've started taking my vitamin D every day. So so yeah, uh, that that's that's definitely one. But I, I I'm already taking pills every day, so I just had to add it to the the pull box. I don't even have to think about it now. A well established habit. Yeah, I get. Oh, you. Yeah, exactly. And if I if I had to look at um, oh other things that I'm doing which are like which fall under that is I've I try to really encompass um, like a sort of element of gratitude um, and like I mean you, you could call it whatever you want, but I guess the the simplest name is like that like uh, loving kindness meditation in some sense. I found it makes me like 5% less likely to be shitty in any given day uh, and probably 20% more likely to like look out and see other human beings as just <laughs> almost miraculous sources of, of actual wonderment, which uh, sounds way, way, way more woo than I'm comfortable <laughs> being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Um... It's an interesting one. I I've, I must say with um, the loving kindness meditation when I when mm. I have done it and uh, there's a, there's a really interesting commitment advice to doing uh, device to doing it which is uh, in uh, Oak the meditation app that I primarily use the the shortest mindfulness meditation you can use is ten minutes but there's a loving kindness meditation that's five mm. minutes so sometimes when you're short on time you're like cool I guess I'll do the loving kindness meditation because that's allows me to do the shorter one. Um, and I will say with that, uh, they work you through this progression of saying these uh, sort of mantras to yourself and then thinking about someone in your life and saying the mantras to them and then thinking about like every living being, right? Um, and it definitely ties into the idea of a sort of a Harry's Patronus from uh, Methods of yes. Rationality for anyone who gets that reference. Um, but yeah, sort of just... Uh, the, uh, the, the the transhumanist vision of what the essence of, or, or at least the most um, meaningful and valuable and worthwhile things inside humans are, and and sort of looking to to uh, fill a 
a loving kindness towards those those aspects of, yeah. of humanity, uh, but for all humans and and sort of all humans, you know, stretching out into the future as well. But yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Uh, it does sound incredibly woo, but it's palpably beneficial to mood and social interactions. Yeah, that's that's a really big one for me, and um, I guess. It's, it is, as you say, that the, the mood component is, is vital almost. And I've noticed a big difference in the sense that, uh, or maybe I've noticed is the wrong uh, metric to use, but it seems like other people have noticed. I seem to have been less mm. adversarial, um, hopefully more generative, but less adversarial. Um, <laughs> the ML crowd is just, I mean, they're loving it. Eh? They're, they're, they're... <laughs> this is a little circle jerk of all the ML fans. And now, now he's going to whisper back prop. <laughs> ear to ear whispering. <laughs> well, it just got there's, there's, definitely a, there's definitely a niche in the market for someone to do um, ASMR. ASMR machine learning tutorials, right? Imagine. Um... <laughs> yeah. Coding, coding in TensorFlow ASMR. <laughs> it's just like. Yeah, we, we, we need a... <laughs> just the, the key clicks, right? <laughs> and just, it's just screencast. <laughs> yeah. The layers of the convolutional network. Oh, amazing. It's like doing hand, hand motions. Like at least uh, uh, some percentage of anyone listening to this is just, is just thinking, oh, fuck it, I'm unsubscribing. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. whatever I thought these it's people so... had, they don't have it. <laughs> they're, spo- they're speaking yeah, about hand-waving uh, and loving kindness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Right, like if if you if this was the first one you listened to, that's uh, that you've you've definitely been put off. You're like, I came here for hard rationality and AI. They threw me the bone of one HP more reference, but other than that, it's just been fucking woo. <laughs> oh shame. So uh, so coming back to uh, to to uh, the habits and the the habit frameworks, some of the some of the things yes. that I am looking to implement in the future, um, something called the five minute favor. And I've hyperlinked it here, but I don't, I mean, this was ages ago, but uh, I think it was something along the lines of like, try and do a quick favor for someone, um, every, in every social interaction, like significant social interaction, like, um, things like, I I think it was to do with, uh, if you, uh, hear that someone's interested in X and you know, someone else who's like, you know, proficient in that or whatever, just be like, Oh, Hey, should I connect you up with this person I know? And maybe you two can get in touch, that kind of thing. Um, and just if you if you're always the person doing that, then you're always going to be involved in positive um, feedback loops where people are doing meaningful things and connecting ideas and in, in interesting ways. Yeah, and you'll just like you'll that. just be a sort of vector for serendipity. Um, mm, I, really, I like the the. the I, I literally that just came to me right now. That's, I've been I've been coming I, up with uh, with vector terms all day, and that just that worked right. So so yeah, that's one. What I was going to quickly say on that is it's actually a very similar idea to one that uh, I've thought about before and, and tried, but only half-heartedly, is, is like every time you see a person trying to cultivate the habit of just asking, what can I do to help this person? Um, which is a very similar thing, mm. you know, like trying to notice opportunities to do even something tiny, as you say, connections are t- tend to give like disproportionate value, um, like something that I do I think fairly well is like send on resources to people who I think might find them useful or might open a new direction of thinking. And so that links up quite nicely there. I've, yeah, that's very true. I've, I just clicked the link and it's from 
that 80,000 hours mother of all articles about how to just like be good at life. Um, and one, it was under like section six um, in, in terms of practical tips on how to build connections. And then they just kind of have it as a throwaway line there, five, five minute, uh, five minute favor. But I mean, this was that article where I, I had it saved in pocket because I think you had recommended it or something. And uh, it took me like three days to get through it because there was just like links everywhere. And I just ended up adding like 400 new articles <laughs> to pocket because everything just linked to something else that was a gold mine. I think another thing I may have uh, picked out from there was implementation intentions, um, which are, yes. which, which have, uh, they come up in atomic habits, um, but th there's an actual paper on it and, and how it makes you more effective at, uh, at implementing habits. So I guess I can actually check that one off the list. I've just uh, inadvertently uh, happened to come back to that without uh, directly intending to. Um, so maybe that says something for the, the implementation intention of writing it down in the first place, but that's getting a bit too meta for this point in the evening. Um, Perhaps. <laughs> one was, was quite interesting was uh, to have daily or weekly stories. Um, so I got this from a, uh, I think it was an Art of Manliness podcast, but I may stand to be corrected on that, with a guy who considers himself to be like an expert storyteller and his way of coming up with good stories, he just writes down like one story from his day every day. And over time, he just ends up, A, his life improves because he's aware of the meaningful moments in his life more. Uh, so it's kind of like a journaling practice, but it also serves to um, to give you a whole collection of really good, interesting stories you can tell when you're inter interacting with people, right? Because, I mean, stories are fundamental way of connecting human beings um, and the more uh, sort of communal they are the better so uh, yeah to write down a story from your day as simple as it might be or from your week um, so that's what I might implement in the future um, and then it's like mm, other that, stuff like, nice like yeah like eating eating your frogs um, to use the uh, productivity Common school of yeah, yeah school of thoughts um, uh, I can't remember the author's name, but yeah, it's it's one of those classic uh, productivity books, like in the same vein as getting things done or any of those kind of things, which is just like, do your most important project first thing every day before everything else gets in the way and when your willpower is highest. Um, that's probably something that doesn't work so well in a um, nine to five style job necessarily, but um, definitely as a student or, or if, you, if you're doing like postgraduate type stuff or if you're doing any kind of research, then it's absolutely valuable. Um, yeah, cold exposure and cold showers and maybe perhaps morning swims. Uh, that's one. And then and then an interesting, uh, so uh, other ones that are just throwaway ones are like um, writing 100 words every morning for 90, 90 days just to sort of get into the flow of writing um, okay. again. Uh, and then one that is quite fun potentially is to improve one tiny thing each day or week depending on how you implement it so you just have to like make something one percent better in your life every day which actually could get quite challenging so it might be best done as like a 30-day challenge or something but if you if you just look at the compound benefits right so it's like cool just like all those like little things like uh the cable that keeps falling down from the desk onto the floor that you have to keep picking up or whatever just like make that attach that clip to the desk that will stop that from happening right like just like one thing like that every day for some aspect of your life that improves it at any uh to any extent and 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 so that's one that i'm also really keen to to experiment with and just see like over the course of uh 30 60 90 days 
how much better your like daily routine mm. or daily life can actually become. Yeah, like like slowly uh, just decreasing the amount of chaos that seems to permeate life. Exactly. I mean, there's, there are those things out there, right? So, so one for me was like learning to fold cables by hand really well. Like they come when they're new. Where you do mm. that like S shape, the, the figure eight shape thing. Uh, and it takes you like if a week or two to learn to do it quickly. But I've never had to untangle a cable ever since, since I learned how to do that. <laughs> um, and it's, it's just, it's one of those things that's just like, it's so trivial, but it just improves your life by 1% than it compounds on itself. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to know if you have, cause, cause I really like your formulation of what like an ideal day in your life looks like, you know, like a, a day you can be satisfied by, um, mm. at, or satisfied about at the end. Uh, I'm interested to know, like, do you then have like sort of stretch goals in turn in a habit sort of sense of things that you would like to be doing every day? Um, or do you feel like you have a pretty good formulation and it's just about, you know, putting in the hours every day? I guess um, I, I do have like some ideas in mind that you could call stretch goals. So, I mean, um, like I would call my baseline, uh, let's take meditation. Um, my minimum is going to be about 15 minutes. But uh, if I've got you know more time in the morning, the stretch becomes, I try and aim for like half an hour, that kind of thing, right? Um, the, the biggest area that I try and stretch uh, is on the work front and particularly on like, actual like hours cross with understanding of something like technical and difficult um like i think we both have experienced that satisfaction of like really getting your teeth into something that's difficult on a conceptual level right and for me that's almost just a, a um feeling like i couldn't have um done much more uh given the time i had for for a given day you know, because I mean, you know, when you've lost time spinning silly cycles, you know, uh, spending too much time having to, uh, you know, whether it's prepare food or drive in traffic or something mildly avoidable. Um, and so I guess like you could call it, if I could push for like three or four hours of like really good studying besides my daily obligations, uh, as a medical student, that's like a pretty good day. Yeah. Okay, so the, the stretch for you is sort of within the existing habits, right? So it's like, it, it's the quantity of the thing as opposed to adding new qualities. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 would, I would agree with that for the most part. I mean, there's like a few, actually no, there's, I mean, there's a few ideas that I, I want to implement um, sometime soon. Uh, but so far, there's nothing that I've, that I've, um, like implemented at a low level and mm. then have wanted to add on more, like a more difficult version. Sure. Because I, I don't know, I, I think it's also probably a product of the the hype around morning routines and habits and things like that. There just seem to be so many interesting things that offer some benefit out there. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, the gratitude journaling, and it's amazing, and it's life-changing. And everyone's like, oh, and the cold exposure, it's amazing. And the meditation, it's amazing. And like, all these things then I'm like, cool, that would be great to try. I think um, the, the, one of the things about that, right, is each of those people has, like, found their thing and is going from, a, like, a place of, let's just call it, like, pure disordered maximum chaos, right? And now they've chosen one thing and they've settled on it. And I think, like, it, almost from a place of chaos, any routine is a, is a good thing. It's like, it's like um, I think it's the same kind of effect as the carnivore diet. 
is it the most efficacious, important diet? Not convinced, but if you've been eating really badly and you suddenly give your guts a big break because you feed it fairly natural, and yes, before anyone tells me that arsenic and cyanide are natural as well, I'm aware I use that line too, but as in uh, unprocessed, perhaps easier on the gut food for a while, and suddenly you get that a chance to sort of recuperate. And I think just adding any routine and sticking with it kind of has that effect. Totally. But I think I actually think that there's a negative effect from stacking too many morning. Absolutely, um, and there's the sort of the guilt and the sense of failure when you can't make them all stick because no one, you know, I think uh, one of those great um, memes that went around was just like, you know, my um, self-employed uh, digital um, digital nomad ultimate morning routine, and it was like, you know, I wake up at three a.m. and meditate for seven hours, and then I, <laughs> and then I like go to gym for, and then I do like cold exposure, and then I journal for four weeks, and then it was just like the most out there and it's like and then and then you know i'm finally finished with my morning routine at 8 p.m um after <laughs> after which i do two minutes of work and then start winding down for the evening like <laughs> something something along those lines but uh, yeah it was just a it was just a like, work exactly right it was it was just a perfect uh, encapsulation of the of, of all the negatives uh, associated with trying to design a sort of perfect morning routine i, I, I suppose it's kind of the um Oh, I, I don't know who to attribute the quote to, but it was uh, in reference to meditation, right? And it was like the the best meditator is the one who meditates. Um, it's kind of like that, you know. It's like the best morning routine is the one that you actually do. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the the ult- it's it's just like with anything, right? Diet or exercise or whatever. Getting getting most of the way there consistently is far more important and valuable in in terms of human. Um, stickiness than than anything else um, but coming back to what I was going to say earlier is that I was like you yeah. know p- perhaps it's some kind of like a Pareto distribution um, in terms of the the habits right so like you you gain a lot from some of them but and, and that might not might be any collection of them right so but but like you you know adding three or four habits gives you like 80% of the value and then you know, adding more, it's, it's diminishing returns. You, 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 you plateau in how much value you gain per minute mm-hmm. or unit of energy spent. Um, and so it's kind of really like finding which ones are most efficacious and most uh, valuable to you and then really sticking with those, which is why I like your formulation of what a ideal day looks like. I'm trying to infer what my ideal day looks like from data from the ground up right so every day i track a whole bunch of things and whether or not i did them and i also track just the binary it was today what i call a model day right and yes. that's either one or zero and it's usually zero right um but I, I think i've had about 10 in the last eight months model days where i'm just like that was that was, that was if, if every day that's the day i want every day of my life to be like um and then i just analyze the difference between the two classes with obvious um balancing you know t- uh, taken into account and and various other good uh, data practices but yeah and then you can look at i can just look at all all, all the uh the, the features of of those days versus uh, any other day and uh and start to see what what uh, moves the needle and uh my my hope is that when i you know analyze that on my my current corpus of data i will be able to see uh in a hopefully unbiased way, what actually does make my best days my best days, as opposed to just yeah. going on my intuition. More just so that I can verify my intuition. Um, 
but I would love, absolutely love to discover something there that surprises me. So it's going to be interesting to look into it. But you I mean, yeah, I really like that formulation of just the key things that get a significant day out at the end. Yeah. You know, I'm also always willing to like, um, as you said, you know, almost smash um, things into reality and see what sticks. So mm. I do also enjoy this general process of having that baseline, but then, you know, uh, not as orderly as you adding them on, but adding something and, you know, if you can do it for a week and then that turns into two weeks, oh, well, it's stuck. You quite like it, right? Mm. But, you know, there's, I've thrown against reality a bunch of different habits, which were okay. Maybe they added a bit of value, but ultimately they, they fell off, uh, not due to uh, anything except for the fact that they actually weren't that sticky or they weren't sure. as valuable for the amount of effort, you know? Mm. So, I mean, for me, gratitude ju- journaling was a little bit like that, where it was nice to do, but didn't actually seem to be as easy or as useful as just sitting and trying to feel gratitude as like a felt emotion. Uh, and maybe yeah. that's also a function of just me being a bit too uh, abstract uh, yeah. in, in when I write exactly. something. It's too yeah, easy you to... can, you can uh, compartmentalize, and so you don't. it's not forcing you to feel... Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, so, yeah, I generally, um, it's interesting. I also have a, a sort of tracking metric that's very similar to yours, although it's got a, a bit more gradation on it um, of like how good of, or bad of a day was it and mm. also trying to pull in some correlation data from that. Um, yeah. For me, honestly, one of the biggest things has been sleep. It is, yeah. uh, it's almost repulsive the amount to which a slightly suboptimal night's sleep, it really, really affects my mood. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can you can psychologically destroy someone with three nights of sleep deprivation. Yeah. Um, um, and, and anyone who's pulled an all-nighter and then, you know, handed in whatever thing they were completing and felt the emptiness that comes after that knows exactly just how psychologically destabilizing a lack of sleep can be. Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? So, I, I don't know um, to the like what sort of habits you have around sleep, but maybe that's actually something uh, you want to go into. I just try and keep it as consistent as possible. Um, with my aura ring that I've had for what do I think three months now, um, it's been really interesting to notice that um, I have this like yo-yo effect with bedtimes, right? So, and and then that you. Know, correlates to a yo-yo in in sleep quality as well and duration so if i'm consistent you know everything's all fine and then as soon as i have like one late night it then throws throws a bit of a speed wobble in and the wobble tends to accelerate like you can literally look at the at, at the plot and it will wobble slightly and wobble more and wobble more as as time goes on so it was just like that one thing destabilized me and the speed wobble you know, then yo-yos me back and forth to, to mix my metaphors like an artist. <laughs> and uh, and eventually, it, it literally, it just causes it such a big degradation in my sleep quality and quantity that I'm, it, it's it's like as though I missed a night's sleep. Um, and that's very, very dangerous. More of a problem during like holidays or periods of like crunching towards some deadline. Mm. Um, so... I will never pull an all-nighter ever again. Like since I've, 
you know, started looking into the sleep data about two years ago. Yeah. Um, one thing that's very popular in my sort of sphere is hackathons that go for 24 hours. Yes. So that's a, so if anyone is not initiated, a hackathon is like when a whole bunch of tech people get together and they develop some idea over 24 hours and it, it's often for like a competition uh, or it could also just be like within a company to just come up with new ideas for something or just for fun. But they tend like a very popular one is to just do like order pizzas and drinks and whatever and just like go through the night 24 hours around the clock. Yeah. And that is the worst thing you could possibly do in terms of your stress level and your um, <laughs> your sleep, right? Like it's it's the, you're going to be feeling the repercussions of that months down the line. So I, I just will we'll, won't do won't do a 24 hour hackathon. Um, and it, like they seem like they'd be fun, but I just know it's not worth it. Um, and then I just try and stay as consistent as possible because any destabilization has such horrendous effects, right? You you get social jet lag is the term used because you go out, you know, on, on the weekends and you stay up four or five hours later than you normally would and then you catch up the sleep the next day. And then when it comes to the week again and you have regular commitments, it's equivalent of having jet lag. Um, because the body's uh, circadian rhythm can't uh, adapt uh, that that rapidly, and so I just I just try and keep it as consistent as possible. So one thing that I think might help um, is I have sleep blocked out in my calendar as like a repeating event, and it's exactly the same every single day. Um, so yeah, it's in there, and uh, yeah. and when you can see that block, and then you like have some social commitment that like overlaps with that, you can be like. Hmm, this looks dangerous. So I would allow myself to like, you know, and naturally it's going to um, swing a little bit depending on, on what's happening. Um, yes. I was also the kind of person who struggles to get to sleep generally. Um, but, but yeah, I think, I think just controlling your environment. Okay. Just like obvious sleep hygiene aside, you know, right. Like light and temperature and food consumption close to it like or get all of those obvious things out of the way and if those aren't obvious to you then like read why we sleep by uh matthew walker mm. uh or just do some basic research on the topic yeah i'll, I'll, uh, jump, in there, I'll jump in there and quickly add that uh if you don't want to read the book but uh, have time for five hours of podcasts walker has a podcast with joe rogan which is excellent and then just recently did one with Rhonda patrick which was fantastic uh, I I've had this recommended to me via proxy from you from uh, from from Josh. Josh. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it was great because I just I just didn't notice that one. I just slipped under the radar on my on my podcast feed, which uh, you know, admittedly, is probably the most overpopulated huh. thing since China since China reintroduced <laughs> the the mini child policy. Mm. So it's, um, yeah, so it slipped under the radar, but I'm very, very keen to listen to that because Rhonda Patrick gets into the weeds on technical details. Yeah, and I think great. that's like one of the things that you can really like gain. Also, it just as a refresher, right? Because the book is very long and I took very thorough notes, but, you know, it's easy to, to forget some details. But yeah, it, it, nothing has impressed upon me the importance of sleep quite like that book. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're going to start fiddling with your sleep, read that first, right? If you start thinking, oh, let me try polyphasic sleep because then I only need to sleep four hours a day and I'll be so much more productive in the remaining hours and I'm a, you know, CEO of a startup and I need to, no, just fucking read the book first. 
then when you understand all the variables at play and how hard things are to study and how much things can affect uh, your performance psychologically, mentally, emotionally, physically down the line, yeah. then then consider you know what you're about to do. Um, because some of those results are just absolutely ridiculous. Um, one one of the most one of the most startling ones was the effect of alcohol. Yeah, tell us that. Uh, right. So the the as far as I remember, the the study was conducted on um, college students, and they got a whole bunch of them in. They separated them into various groups, and then what they would do is receive a like a memorization type uh, assessment. So they'd be given a whole bunch of stuff to memorize, um, and then they were. Uh, let go. One group wasn't allowed to consume any alcohol. One group was allowed to consume alcohol like three days, I think it was, afterwards. And then another group like seven days afterwards. And then they would bring them in and retest them and evaluate the recall. So the group that uh, had no alcohol at all was like baseline. And the ones that had alcohol, uh, there may have been ones that had every day, I don't know. But the, the, the point of the study was that like drink, drinking alcohol affects your sleep as drinking alcohol in the evenings affects your sleep enough that it can degrade the uh REM and yeah REM sleep which is helps helps with a uh, memory uh formation and um with solidifying concepts so much that even if you drank like six days for the first time six days after learning something it would still have an effect Mm. on your your memory and recall when you were then tested later right and so the, the context of this was you know you've been studying all week for your exams next week and you think oh as a reward i've been studying so hard this whole week and so disciplined i'm gonna go out and have a few drinks on the saturday with my friends before exams start on monday like you're screwing yourself in terms of memorization right and obviously memorization is not the be all and end all of of exam performance but so. <laughs> just in terms of the cognitive effects right like that is incredible the fact that a few drinks days after you encountered some information are harming your ability to recall it um the results are, and 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 the the whole book is just studies like this with where the results are just absolutely horrifying yeah i almost uh the one thing i would say about that right is the one thing that is quite consistent um in the book is it's just the the, the sheer magnitude of the effect sizes here right mm. and you know, I mean, I'm always um, trying to forego the sort of rationalist trap of having, like, if, if your model explains all outcomes, then you you have, um, your model has no explanatory power, you have no knowledge. But, so I'm not, I'm trying to figure out for myself if these really strong outcomes, like, what, what reality do I anticipate? So, if the outcomes, almost in my mind, if the outcomes were this profound, I would almost expect it to be more noticeable without the studies. But I then wonder, maybe this is the kind of effect you wouldn't notice. So for example, if uh, the one, the one example he showed was um, how pulling an all nighter decreases uh, memory and learning uh, by 40%, like the, the test results were a 40% difference uh, between two groups. And I was thinking, you know, I mean, I've pulled all nighters in service of tests before and, uh, it's possible that there was a decrease, but you know, forty percent certainly wasn't the magnitude of it. You know, and so I'm wondering if either the results are so positive that they should actually be strong evidence in the sense that um, 
you know, if you saw a really small effect size and such small group studies, you'd call into question. But here they're so large, there's almost certainly some underlying effect, even if it's smaller. Or are these results actually almost more called into question by like just how strong the results are in the sense that it makes you wonder are the tests they're using too stereotyped? You know, they're giving some sort of reaction time test um, that is, you know, purports to measure how fast you react to something. But in reality, the reaction time test we take all the time is how fast you break in a car. And, you know, I'm, I'm annoyed that my model doesn't discriminate between those two futures because that clearly represents my lack of knowledge in this domain. Um, but I'm not sure how to think about that um, because I, I completely agree with you. And I mean, I'm, I'm in this very frustrating position at the moment where uh, obviously as a, and I should caveat all of this with, with saying that I apologize for sounding like I'm going to complain. Um, but obviously like medical students, we don't really um, get the choice uh, about staying up all night, right? Uh, yeah. That's just something which is mandatory to do. And this is a conversation I've tried to have with um, like faculty members in the sense of wondering, you know, to what extent should we, uh, and like, should we really be doing work during the day and then the whole night and then still staying in, up into the next day? I mean, the, uh, the results on this are, are, are clear, right? I mean, the whole reason that, that, concept of uh, students in uh, medical students in residence um, working those ridiculous shifts was because the guy who instituted that convention was a cocaine addict yeah this, but that was is... the historical context of it right he was a cocaine addict so he would just naturally be on naturally <laughs> I say be <laughs> on these 36 hour Benders, exactly, right? Um, And then he he later, when when being rehabilitated for his cocaine addiction, became a heroin addict as well, which I think is hilarious. But he he instituted this thing, and then it kind of just, I presume, became one of those uh, sort of initiation-style practices, and that it was like, you know, it was like a... A, a bar uh, it happened that had to me, to, so it happens been... to you. Fancy. A little bit of that, and also a little bit of like you know, you you want to like you know weed out the toughest uh, ones. But um, in why we sleep, he looks at the at the at the results of um, medical uh, uh, academic hospitals who are now implementing the, the policies of of you know radically um, reduced shift lengths. And uh, and that, like the, the the incidence of of errors uh, goes down dramatically. You know the uh, subjective performance goes up dramatically. You know all of, all of these sort of things. I mean it's 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 one of, another one of those things where it's like how you know how can you ignore the results of this? Um, so, so I mean the fact that you still have to even have this discussion with you know otherwise quite well informed intelligent people is, is, is a concern, right? It's like th- this information just hasn't propagated. And I think a large reason behind that is that, you know, sleep, sleep science isn't a widely taught aspect of, of biology, of medicine, of, mm. of anything really. Um, it's its own sort of standalone interdisciplinary field. Yeah, that's, that is, that's one aspect. Although of course the, I, I imagine at least one of the rejoinders to that would be, well, someone has to be awake at that time, right? I mean, you know, it, and, and this kind of becomes like all jobs where someone has to do something which is frankly and obviously dangerous and probably bad for their health. But then I think the answer is people have to be properly compensated for it. Um, and I so what I'm trying to think about, and I don't really have good answers here, is 
Um, so when you are paying a university to educate you, um, you know, and if you say to them, well, I'm, I'm like very reluctant to, you know, sacrifice maybe uh, the health effects or whatever of, of sleeping badly. Uh, and I don't, it's not like I get compensated particularly for that time or that risk. And they might say then, oh no, the compensation is the education you get. Like, or they could say, well, you don't have to be here, right? Like you are here voluntarily. Um, and I can imagine that almost being the open and shut case. I don't think, um, unless you found a very compassionate ear in this. Well, I mean, one, once you start actually uh, working directly with patients, then it's, it's, it's not up to you to make the choice anymore because now you're having effects on other people, right? So at, at that point, well, then it's like, um, you know, to be honest, I don't want the sleep-deprived student working on me. I want the well-rested student working on me. And if the data shows that they're safer, it's like, it's like saying, you'd, you, you know, you'd want to drive a, a less safe car because it's cheaper. It's like, well, yeah, to yeah, a point, that's, that's because a point. at some point it just becomes absolutely reckless. And mm. so there's, there's that for starters, but also, I mean, look, you know, this from the inside and I have experienced it firsthand, whereas I haven't, but to me, it just seems like a resource allocation problem. You know, instead of, instead yeah, of five people like working 36 hour shifts, um, you know, every few days, whatever, you just work a five hour shift more often, right? It's just a, now there's obviously overhead and some things like that, right? But it feels like there's some yes. much more reasonable ways this can be done. Mm. That That is true. I think the one minor complication there, and for me, and this was just, I've, I've had this argument with a, another medical friend, and his point of view is that uh, having shorter shifts is bad because it increases the amount of times that different medical teams have to hand over patients to each other. Uh, and that this is like a large area where mistakes are made. Um, but I, for me, that's just an indication. Like for me, how I view that is the sleep pro problem is largely intractable, right? As long as human biology is invariant in time. Whereas the ability for humans to like hand over a patient properly is like a, a very system tractable problem. Totally. You know, tick, uh, checklists, uh, procedures, operating. Mm, advances kind of in technology so, and organization systems can, can uh, mitigate a large portion of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and I think, I think given the magnitude of the results, look, I, I, I I think it's incredibly important to um, to disseminate this information, and that's why I think everyone should read Why We Sleep. It's a it's incredibly, incredibly poignant and valuable piece of work. I wanted to chat about um, evening routines with you because we've chatted about morning routines uh, to some extent, but I'm I'm interested to hear how you use what what you've read and what you know. Um, uh, both as a as a medical student and from reading while we sleep and from just being a person who's interested in these sort of things about how you then implement your evening routine from a productivity and a sleep efficiency standpoint. You know, um, as you say, I've read uh, probably I've read a fair amount about evening routines, and so you think I had a more concrete answer here, but I fall into like a fairly natural local minimum, as in something that I think is not globally optimal, but fairly good and captures most of the value here um which is just kind of noticing as i get tired and uh the thing is it is vulnerable to uh simple uh failures like uh getting too hyped up and watching some youtube basically i try and just 
get in bed, turn off all the lights and sit there and read on you know, the, a Kindle or something. And I tend to notice my eyes getting heavy and uh, fall asleep with that. What sort of things are you reading in the evening? You know, I'm not so much of an absolutist on one type of thing, although I do find, like, I'm trying to read a, a book on, like, mathematical logic at the moment, and that will not become my bedtime reading. Sure. But I, so I do, I do tend towards uh, lighter things, either mm. what I would call, like, your more self-help nonfiction or some sort of uh, more, uh, like, science fiction or just general fiction. Um, you know, like, my, a common failure mode is... So one thing that I notice particularly if I haven't slept well is my uh, level of like resistance to further temptations goes way down. Like if I'm going to, um, you know, schnaff like, like, you know, two loaves of bread and a whole cake and a pizza, it's, it's after I've like not slept properly enough for a night. And uh, that's, this then generalizes to like the kinds of things that, I'll end up watching on YouTube or the fact that I'm watching YouTube at night at all, you know, um, all of these are kinds of behaviors that, uh, only seem to come about in my like very willpower depleted state. So I don't know if you actually have a, a better answer there because all I've really managed to say to people is I, I get in bed and read until I get tired. <laughs> I, look, I mean, that's, that's, that's ideal, right? You, you, it shouldn't be something that, requires too much work i i i really struggle my chronotype does not fit well with the sort of mean societal demands um so since about the age of eight or nine i've struggled to get up in the mornings and struggle to fall asleep Mm. in the evenings um so yeah it is it is a struggle um i'm what's your sort of natural bedtime i i put in it it will it I feel like I, I may even just have a, um, a not quite circadian rhythm because it will just naturally just tend later and later if I'm. Have unchecked. you tried like sun exposure? Now that and, could. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but. Uh, yeah, so I was going to say now that could just be as a result of yeah not getting enough sun exposure mm-hmm. in the morning and getting too much blue light exposure in the evening. Um, so like in a holiday, you know, when I was on school holidays years ago, that would always be like a. I would say failure mode of mine that I would end up staying up later and sleeping later and eventually I would just become literally just inverted and nocturnal um, and it was horrible um, so but even even through through undergrad I struggled with it it was in postgrad I, it wasn't easy either um, but when I got to do my research I didn't I, I could work whenever right so I used to just let myself fall into a natural rhythm and I think that one of the things that does throw me off a lot is also having to be up early because then I compromise my sleep and then that throws things out of off kilter whereas if I if I don't have to be up early but I have things I want to get going on then I get up when it's right for my body physiologically um but then i get up and i get going and so i'm tired and can then fall asleep at a reasonable time so then it then it will naturally be more like a um sort of 1 a.m to 10 a.m type that's when i would sleep um and then i'm insanely productive so my my research block um last year i was just that was me every single day like clockwork um, and it was fantastic because I didn't sleep. I didn't use an alarm, nothing. I just would get tired. I would get into bed, fall asleep within like 10 minutes. Um, would wear an eye mask and earplugs because I lived next to a, <laughs> a railway track. Yeah. Um, and I would just naturally wake up, take off the blindfold, take off the earplugs. And it was like clockwork. It was, it was like 10, 10.01, 10.02 type thing. Mm. Um, 
it was it was it was amazing um now and going forward i'll probably just you know need to be up at at certain times and if that's earlier uh it's difficult so it's so the main thing is if i can get to sleep at the right time i can get up at the right time um so getting rid of blue light is a major one Yes. Um, in terms of just like the, the little practicalities of it. So I have um, blue light reducing software installed on my laptop and my phone that kicks in automatically. Um, details wise, Flux on my laptop and the night shift on iOS. Uh, I've also purchased uh, blue light blocking glasses, um, just cheap entry level ones um, off Amazon that I got brought over. I have never taken the time to do an experiment where I compare that to nights when I don't wear it and still use all the other technologies. Um, but they can't hurt, so I often wear those. Okay. Um, although it's a bit of a problem because then I can't use my reading glasses or my just actual spectacles. And so I can't see as well for reading or looking at a screen. So it's a, it's a bit of a issue there, but I haven't... Um, resolve that so if I'm just sitting around whatever then I'll, I'll use that but what I have found is not reading or watching material that will hype me up in the mm. hours preceding bed right? like I wind down properly so that one of the greatest is, things yeah. for me is audiobooks um, fiction audiobooks mm. um, and they can be quite engaging I mean like a Neil Stevenson type book uh, even really engaging super interesting um, but it's great because I can like put in some earphones um, and I can sit in very low light conditions. Whereas if I'm reading, I'm having lights on. When yes. I'm watching a video, it's it's a screen, right? So the audio allows me to get away from the screen. And also it's kind of a sort of a natural thing because you can like fade into sleep. Whereas like when you're reading, you've still got to maintain attention and there's light and you're doing something. So mm. yeah, it's I, I find audio books of nonfiction very, very useful for that. Um, yeah. I've found cold showers beneficial in the past. Um and then yeah, just the, the 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 basics. I haven't experimented with melatonin. I have experimented with um, original old type uh, antihistamines that are now you know repurposed as sleeping tablets. But after like becoming familiar with the consequences of that, the fact that you're sedated but not sleeping, well, yeah. that's useless now. So you know, <laughs> fuck it, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah, that's probably um, a good one. Yeah, and then I've also tested some things like L-theanine, um, which is supposed to help just like take the edge off if you've had uh, excessive caffeine or are a little bit jittery or whatever. Um, but I haven't done proper investigations of this stuff just for time and because the you know it was just like cool, I'll try this and just see if if it works like subjectively. I don't know, uh, it, you know, if it's the placebo effect, that's still useful because it's an actual effect. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, yeah, that's 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 the basics of it. I could talk about this for a very very long time. I've tested many things over the years, but but that's mm. the gist of it. So yeah, I'm interested um, that 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 you don't um, struggle with with you know getting hyped up reading things before bed. But I think you uh, you you're not the kind of person who normally struggles with getting to sleep. No, I was a terrible terrible sleeper uh, throughout high school. I mean, I was. Mm. Uh, you know, getting woken up at six, but only falling asleep at, you know, one or two. So I mean, wow. I had spent a chronic amount of time uh, really not sleeping enough. Which and is normal for an adolescent, actually, right? Like, and that's the interesting thing is that you are true. supposed to shift later and then return to earlier as you pass through adolescence. Mm. So, but yeah, I, as you were saying. Yeah, so I've definitely gotten uh, better. And uh, 
I don't struggle as much as I used to. Uh, cold showers were a big help there. And I just like, you know, really starting to respect sleep as this entity that had such a big effect on me uh, made me take it like seriously as, as a, a lever that could make or break the next day or week. Um, so that, that helped. And then in terms of like not getting hyped up, I do occasionally end up getting quite, um, I kind of, I, I would put sleep disruption into two buckets, I think. And, and one is the uncommon bucket and, and one is far more common. So there are some times where I do read something and get a little bit too intrigued and I'll stay up, let's say half an hour longer reading than I, than I know I should. And that's probably a failure mode that I should try and decrease with time. But, and I mean, if it is causing, um, misery, it's, it's probably, it's, it's a small effect. Uh, half an hour is pretty small in the scheme of things. Yeah. Right. You know, um, but ultimately could probably optimize that away. I don't know. But then there's a second kind of sleep disruption, which is more interesting, I think. And I think people might actually get this one wrong. And that is when you get in bed, you've done your winding down routine. You are, you, you are, you think you're ready to go to sleep and sleep does not come. And, and when this happens, I, I really do find it useful to get up, get out of bed. And for me, it's like sitting down with a piece of paper or a book and like either trying to like read whatever it is that you're like so interested in that you don't want to sleep or write whatever it is that's keeping you up. Uh, so I, I do think there's like a small subset of nights where whatever it is that's, you know, I mean, we can talk in terms of like the muse, uh, Stephen Pressfield does a good job of like sonifying that idea, but there's sometimes you just need to write or you need to read and you like, it just feels like this burning desire to know. And that does not really tend to go away so easily i found yeah and if you actually just externalize it and uh, also you you don't want to break you, you you don't want to um start associating bed with not sleeping right it's like the, the classic yes. thing that people always have like they start falling asleep in front of the tv and then they go to their bed and and then they suddenly like awake and tossing and turning all night right so one one thing i i forgot to mention that i do is i, I don't go to bed unless i'm like ready to sleep uh mm. and and as a result I don't have an association of not sleeping with bed, right? Like bed is the place that I sleep and like, and yeah. that's, that is the place I sleep. So I, I will stay somewhere else, low light environment, listening to audiobook, whatever. And then I can be like, Oh cool. I'm starting to feel relaxed and ready for sleep. Now I can go to bed. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I like that. Yeah. So that, that I've found incredibly useful. Um, interested to know, Let's say you maybe have worked a long shift or you've been working on some project or, or some piece of work that um, or maybe a social event that's got you like really hyped up and in the zone and like, you know, you're in that maybe a flow state yeah. and now it's like really late and now you need to like wind down and, and sort of get to sleep. What, how, mm. what have you found helps you with that um, or have you found that that's just something you just like can't get around just you've got to just take the time to wind down from those states hmm yeah i think it's it, there's there's very little in the way of like the acute remedy here um i've never really been i mean i'm i suppose some people like would take something for that you know there's all kinds of herbal who knows what um but i think it's it's one of those things where you know if you've if you've played the game of of staying up then you're gonna have to just go through the the motions if you want that routine to continue mm. uh yeah not, nothing really special on that mm. front unfortunately that's I mean that's something that i would often struggle with is if, if i'm working and i'm really in the flow of things 
and then suddenly you know i'm like sure wait i feel weird oh it's three in the morning oh shit i should probably get some sleep but i'm still in that flow yeah. state and how do you wind down from that especially when you've been focusing on something and it's consumed your thinking for hours and hours um, and that can even be social things. I mean, it's, you know, like those times when you can have a conversation with someone or some group of people and next thing you know, five hours have flown by. Yeah. And you don't want to, you know, break those events because I think flow is almost like as close to the divine as a, <laughs> a rational being can, can come. Um, you, you literally forget that you and time exist uh, a lot of the time. And, and it's it's, I think, one of the things that makes life enjoyable and valuable but then you have to come down from that and then maybe that's also just to do with like my um, neurochemical uh, predispositions and my personality and uh, experiences that I've had over the years but you know I mean that's one thing for me like I just cannot come down from from those flow states mm. to get to sleep yeah that, that I think that's the fairly uh, I've definitely experienced that as well and uh, mm. sometimes I guess you don't want to yeah. Um, so uh, to bring us to a close here, Jean-Luca, I want to ask you for your uh, podcast recommendation of the week, either a, a whole series or a particular episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, anything that you would uh, really recommend? Hmm. Uh, let me think. I can't. I can't use my phone because it's it's uh, recording audio, and I no, would no. love to just scroll through and look. Um, I'll give you, you mine have, in the meantime. Yeah, give me, yeah, yeah, yeah. me a session while I while I think. So I started listening to a podcast called Story Collider this week, um, mm. and they do um, like personal, intimate almost, um, orally told, obviously, stories about scientists and their stories. Um, and I found this to be, like, first of all, really well done, uh, not at all overproduced, and some of them, some of them are like, fantastic guests. I mean, Alan Lightman... Um, but sometimes just people you, you would never have otherwise heard of. They're just some arbitrary faculty member at an otherwise not super famous college or university. But they're telling either the story of how they got into science or maybe the moment they had like the like a, a mentor did something for them that was key to their career. Or maybe they had the insight that was the stroke of all their research after that. And I find a lot of the stories to be like really, really inspiring and well told. And the episodes are short and definitely worth a listen if you are at all into science and the process of doing it. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's 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 the scientific process, but from the personal perspective of it. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, I'll definitely check that one out. Um, yeah. From my side, I have I will make it two two recommendations, um, and as a sort of a counterpoint to yours. I think that it, with all the sort of productivity and research and information oriented podcasts out there, it's also valuable to have things that aren't like that. Um, and so two podcasts in that vein, one's very popular and one less so, but on the rise that I found very enjoyable over the years. Uh, the first is uh, No Such Thing as a Fish. Um, for those of you who know uh, the BBC show QI, the, the researchers called the QI elves from that show have formed this podcast and it's uh, facts that didn't make it into the show that they just found interesting researching every week that they then 
discuss and very very upbeat very fun interesting uh and uh intellectually stimulating but also light-hearted and casual and you don't have to follow every single word um and very very humorous so that's great um that's the kind of thing you can listen to while working out um if you're going on a run or if you're at the gym or whatever because you can be distracted while you focus on the current set but then come back to it and it's just something nice um, I, so I, I can't run with music because I naturally sync up to the beat. That's a, a very rhythm like centered <laughs> person. And so it's absolutely, it, it's very uncomfortable. Um, and so I have to listen to something else. So I listen to no such thing as a fish most of the time. Um, that's a very popular one. So if people are already familiar with that, another recommendation is, uh, it's called the wiki cast. Uh, it's just two mildly famous, uh, YouTube uh, people who uh, have now created a podcast and they're just two friends that uh, essentially what, what the premise of the show is that they uh, one of them brings up a randomly selected Wikipedia article where you just go into Wikipedia and hit the randomize button and it's usually absolutely weird hmm. um, or totally crap or very short or very long um, and it's like a random island off the coast of something that doesn't exist anymore. Or it's like some football team for a local region in South Korea or something like it. it it's, it's really weird. Um, and they end up discussing it usually for about 15 minutes and then they get sidetracked much like we do on a tangent and talk about various <laughs> things, um, and get, and just get into the weeds. Um, quite funny, very like meme oriented uh so so quite amusing lighthearted and uh yeah just a, an interesting um just a jumble of ideas and wit and occasionally something interesting so oh. yeah those are those are my two more lighthearted easygoing listens ah very good very good cool. all right so we'll leave it there we'll definitely leave it there because we need to leave sufficient time to uh consume more nutrients and uh start winding down for bed because <laughs> sleep's exactly important yeah, if you're going to get up at 4 a.m like jocko recommends uh you you gotta you gotta get to start bed now early. yeah <laughs> start now cool let's lights off let's let's go <laughs> <laughs> all right cool thanks it's been a great, great. chat yeah thank you thanks for listening to the bit of a tangent podcast if you enjoyed this episode please get in touch with us and share your thoughts you can email us at podtangent at gmail.com or connect with us on Twitter through the handle at podtangent. For more information about us, our backgrounds, and other projects we're involved in, visit our website at podtangent.com. That's podtangent.com. The best ways to support us are to share one of our episodes with someone who may enjoy them and to give us a rating or review on iTunes. That way, Apple knows that we're actually worth listening to and all the platforms that pull content from them will too. We both love having these discussions and relish the opportunity to share ideas with like-minded people around the world. So your support and listenership are sincerely appreciated. Until next time.